All right. Hello. Welcome to the Artificially Intelligent Podcast. I am Nathan, a white, cracker-ass, hunky American comedian. With me, as always, is my bestest bud, an African-American, black, person of color musician. And uh, we have a guest today. We have another cracker American. This is Jordan, who uh, lives in Minnesota. And uh, I, I don't actually know how it happened, but we crossed paths on TikTok somehow. Either I saw one of your videos, you saw one of mine. I, uh, I stitched one of your videos. I stitched the one about, uh, was it Grasley and his uh, taxes and the syntax? There you go. And I, I went about my drinking problem. Ah, there you go. That's so there. I'm, you have a better memory than I do, but uh, I, I, I am a narcissist and I have an ego. So if someone takes an interest in me, I go, Ooh, who, who is this person taking an interest in me? So I watched some of your videos and I was like, wow, this is goddamn impressive. And I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, what I find interesting is uh, Barrett will remember this, uh, a friend of mine, David Degner, he ran for office here in Iowa. He is a truck driver and a farmer. And you hear that and you automatically would think, oh, Trump, yeah, uh, because that's just the stereotype. Mm -hmm. And you are, unless I'm mistaken, you are a farmer. Uh, not exactly. Not I have exa a, you have a, you have a farm. Horses, a little bit of tillable space. Yeah. Yeah. But you are not in the Trump camp. I won't define no. you as a liberal or a Democrat, but you, you, you defy expectations. You live in rural Minnesota, which... Yep. People think Minnesota is a blue state, but basically it's a blue city surrounded by a red state. Yeah, it's it's very much. I mean, and I think that's the case with most states is your your rural areas are going to be going to be red. And then um, everything in the city is going to be very, very blue. And we just have a, a very dense population in the Twin Cities and then a very spread out population over a big state. But, yeah, you get out here and and, you know, there's flags on pickup trucks and the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's that's the one thing with with Iowa is the instant you leave Cedar Rapids, you get five minutes and and you're seeing the the they're still up the Trump 2020 the and uh, which is funny because they're not even preparing for 2024 yet. But um, <laughs> well, because he's still going to take office back before that, you know. <laughs> oh yes, what am I thinking? Anyway, so so you you create TikToks that, uh, as I said, I find fascinating and interesting because they are they are political, they're intelligent. You do what I see. I'm a comedian. So the first thing my I, I either make a joke or I insult, whereas you break down and explain. And that's what I find fascinating is, is do you research the shit out of your your topics or are you just that smart? I suppose would be the first question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I'm that smart. I uh, I do research the shit out of anything that I tend to be interested in. I. Uh, when you see stuff pop up and then obviously everything's always flooded with memes and very biased stories on social media and stuff where a lot of us get most of our news now. And I want to make sure that I'm understanding both the whole perspective before I form an opinion on it. So it's something I've just kind of always naturally done. And um, that just sort of folded into uh, these TikTok videos. So I've been working on a on a memory bank and then just refreshing as of now but i'm sure as time goes on i'm gonna have to do far more research <laughs> well did you grow up uh in a liberal way like what is it that led you to the thought process that you have because i've seen some of your stuff and i think it's great but how did you get to that place um i didn't grow up in a overly political family really one way or the other my parents are uh dead end of the boomer generation or very beginning of the x generation and uh apathetic as always <laughs> um it, it really just just no involvement one way or the other and i think when i was younger i definitely had uh probably more conservative views but would have never considered myself really conservative like I was not a Bush fan um mm -hmm. at all but uh I spent um about eight years of my childhood my parents got divorced really young and I spent about eight years of my childhood uh between Minnesota and South Florida uh mm -hmm. so two polarly different worlds and I think yeah. that gave a lot of perspective on you know um just 
culture and life and things that you know you don't get outside your bubble you don't mm-hmm. you don't get and I think that that um, should be credited a lot with uh, kind of helping me come into to my own and then um, I moved back with my dad uh, to Pine City Minnesota when I was um, 15 going on 16 and uh, then you know the we have an excavating company and the um, the housing crash happened in, in 08, 09, about the same time that my dad got divorced and our whole world fell apart. And I was like, I've kind of experienced sort of the upper middle class life. And, you know, are we paying the electric bill or the mortgage this month type of thing? And uh, so I, I, I think it gets me to empathize with a lot more people. And I think empathy is really what brings people more to the, the left side of the spectrum. Hmm. Well, I, I certainly know that the uh what I do doesn't. Uh, it's funny because I'm very aware that no one has ever insulted me or yelled at me. And I've gone, oh, well, that person must be right. I must be wrong. And yet my knee jerk response is, all right, you're dumb. I'm writing you off. And that's, um, and, and this is improper language. Uh, you can be flattered by it, but don't take it the wrong way. That's, that's what made me so attracted to you. It's like, oh, that's, what hey, I like, water bottle, though. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> that no, that's that's perfect. That's what this is about. It's about cutting off and interjecting jokes. Like my, I've learned to restrain myself a little bit because when you said uh, my parents got divorced as a child, I wanted to pipe in and go. And how much of that was your fault? And what have you done to atone for that? But I've learned to like hold back some of my comments sometimes. Um, but those are the thoughts that pop into my head immediately. Funny, completely unrelated to anything that we're talking about here. But uh, the other day at Easter, uh, my grandma winters in Texas and she gets back right around this time. She's the first time I've seen her since she's been back. And she decided to tie one on, which is not um, normal for her. But she I think she drank damn near a whole bottle of wine to herself. And she's, you know, about five one and doesn't drink a lot. And uh, she was a character. And then she started blaming me for having to take a dog because I didn't want it at the house when um I I was a kid I'm like grandma I I definitely did not do that and um my dad pipes in and he's like yeah no that was me I'm like yeah I'm pretty sure I was like two when you got that dog I don't think I had an opinion on it (laughs) so about about our parents blaming us on stuff right (laughs) and and name a two-year-old that does not want a doggy like Mm -hmm. like that that would make no sense. But. Yeah, clearly I hate animals, as you can tell from my TikTok. Right. But, <laughs> but um, I got, oh, so what expanding on what I was saying is, so I, I agree with you. Empathy is the way, empathy and understanding. And that's something Barrett and I talk about is both encampments on the left and right, we seem to look at the other side as irredeemable. And that's mm-hmm. just not the case. And, but I creep into that mindset every so often like like right now my most popular uh video on there is one where i say oh trump jr wants us to boycott disney disney perfect time to go I and like come up and are like oh you support pedophiles groomer groomer pedophile yeah. and i just mm-hmm. how do i not and i don't want to say how do i not write these people off it's like jesus fucking right. whatever you are listening to or thinking to draw that conclusion is is absurd how how do you stay above the fray? Like I have friends that, I mean, I went to high school in a very small town in Wisconsin. So a bunch of my friends are Trumpsters and we are friends because we just look past the politics and maybe it's yeah. because I have that personal connection with them. But when I see it online, it's just, Oh God damn it. Groomer, fuck you. I'm done with, you know, I just. You know, um, and, and to a certain, I mean, certain people you're going to have to write off. I mean, certain people are genuinely irredeemable and I, more or less don't engage with them unless it's going to further my own point and use them as an example. Uh, and they tend to engage with me a lot less, I think, um, because I'm so, I present everything um, in a very matter of fact way. And it's very hard to come out with uh, yeah. an emotional response to the way that I try to put my, at, at least from my perspective, I think it would be difficult to, cause I haven't had, I've had a few of the like rumor comments and dumb shit like that on my Disney video, but it was, you know, maybe two people. Um, I've so, discovered what I do is, is I've been doing what I do engage is I just ask questions. They say, Oh, so you support, uh, like if they'll just say, fuck Disney. And I'll say, Oh, okay. Why? Oh, cause pedophiles like, what do you mean? You haven't seen this. And I got one guy and I usually back them into a corner 
without yeah. them realizing it. They just happened the other day. I said, oh, you didn't see all the pedophiles arrested, did you? And I'm like, uh, I did not. So I Googled and there was a headline. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. The headline was Disney employees among 108 people arrested. So then you open the article and it was four low level Disney employees, a lifeguard, a waiter. And, and the headline gives the impression, oh, Disney employees are grabbing kids out of the park but they were all using the internet. The internet is much more dangerous than Disney. But so when you keep asking questions, they run out of answers and just start making statements. Well, just because. And no. that's, I don't know if that's where, <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating because they, you know, you're not changing their mind, mm -hmm. but they have nothing to offer. No, no, it's, it's very true. And, uh, and like I said, that's why I genuinely, generally will not engage with them and when i do engage with them like those offhanded comments i skate right by or you know I, I i don't know if this is the right way to do it but there's plenty of fodder within their own party to throw back at them so you just drop a, a matt gates in there and yeah and you know i i have no interest in your opinion if you can't clean your own house don't come and pretend like the problems in other people's houses are something we need to address well, let, let's uh, continue down that path because it goes with, uh, I don't know if you posted it yesterday, but that's when I saw it. The, the, the TikTok feed is weird. Um, mm -hmm. I think you'd get it in real time, but you talked about uh, young people, Democrats and Bernie and Hillary, because there was, there was a comment that said uh, three Supreme Court justices, way to go millennials. And you mm -hmm. broke that down and um, it, it really resonated with me because he, just I'll shut up in a second because I'm doing so much talking, but in the last primary or in the last uh, election season, my wife and I went and caucused for, um, yeah, uh, Buttigieg and Buttigieg came in first or second in Iowa, New Hampshire, like the first five. And then I got to South Carolina and went, Oh, Buttigieg didn't finish first. It's Biden. And then it all went to Biden. I'm like, how, why Biden was seventh in Iowa. How do we go through these first five states where everybody wants Bernie or Buttigieg. And yet, uh -huh. and what they said was, I remember this, there was the talking point was black people won't vote for Buttigieg. And then I heard several interviews where, where black women said, don't tell me who I'm going to vote for. All right. But they like get the this. Black woman I know. What's that? That sounds like the black woman I know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, and, and here's what bothers me. And this is, and this is, uh, I apologize if it comes off insensitive. Um, the primaries, and I covered this in the video, pay a lot of attention to demographics that don't matter in the way that our election system is set up. Like, you know, uh, the heavily minority populations are predominantly in very solidly red states. So yeah, Hillary performed great among the African-American community in the South, and the South voted exclusively for Trump. So what does that help us in the in the in the general election because the primary takes the least likely candidate to sway swing voters because the base is what runs the primary it's the the core base is who selects your primary runner in the general and then the core base is the people who are going to vote for you anyway it doesn't matter who's in that place but it doesn't sway the people who you know you need it the swing state the purple states the the young progressives and and those people and so the way that the primary system is set up or the way that our electoral system is set up because it's not based on popular vote um really disenfranchises a lot of those communities but we focus on the wrong spot with the way it's set up in my opinion well and that that, that goes to what i said is I, biden wasn't going to win south carolina regardless it wasn't mm -hmm. going to happen so for that to deter to determine who the democratic candidate was was mind-boggling to me. Yep. So, hmm, what do you, I guess if you were to advise people of color how they could be more effective. I like where this is going. <laughs> Come on, white person, tell. Well, I'm just curious what your thoughts are, because I have my own thoughts on this, but what would you suggest? Um. I, I honestly don't think it's a shortcoming of people of color or the minority community as a whole. These areas have been so well gerrymandered and these people have been so pushed out of the political discussion in the places that they are most dense that that they've lost a lot of their voice. And that's something that I think as as a whole political structure needs to be redone. And I don't know 
if there is a ton uh, that you guys can do at this point. Well, let me uh, sir, bear one quick second. It's funny because that's what's going on with Florida right now is everybody's screaming about Disney and pedophilia. Meanwhile, on the same day that the uh, fuckface DeSantis to sign that bill, he also redistricted again. And that was the noise distracted from the actuality of disenfranchising votes. Sorry, Barrett, go ahead. But do you think that people don't know this? <clears throat> I think white oh. people don't know it. I mean, I, okay. See, like, I feel like this whole kind of, it's like sleight of hand, uh-huh. right? Somebody bumps into you and then they pick, they take your wallet, but you're paying attention to the bump and the, oh, sorry, buddy. Not the fact that someone's got their hand in your pocket. You know, it's like, how was magic done? It's like, pay attention to this hand while this hand switches the cards around, right? Like it's all, but like, these are common practices. And I wonder, do you feel like, See, like the black, and I say this not knowing, I know about as much about politics as I know about fixing (laughs) cars, which is pretty minimal, right? Yeah. But it seems to me like middle class and up, like black people who are Mm well-to-do, right? Not even well-to-do, just middle class and up, right? Are the ones who are being catered to. Right, the people, the vast, which is probably only a certain percentage of black people, right? The vast majority of black people are not actually being catered to in large numbers. Uh Do you feel that this is the same for the white community? Do you feel like Uh, the the poorer white people are being catered to other than by Trump? uh, It has been a huge problem. You see, the, the Democratic Party used to be very much, and in here in Minnesota, it's called the Democratic Farmer Labor party like it's mm-hmm. we have our own party that's not technically democrat uh and that's that's what it came it was a very pro-union pro-labor pro-blue collar party and and that's what um got democrats elected for decades and uh you know the the right likes to go on about you know the elite and all that um the elite liberal uh coastal state liberals and all that but uh they they do have a little bit of a point like um, I have another video that's going to be coming out specifically about uh, Hillary and why she was an awful candidate objectively and not that she would have been a bad president or not that she wasn't qualified, but that she was a bad candidate because like that basket of deplorable comments, you know, even though it may be completely accurate, um, like these are the people that I live around, you know, and you take people who aren't as engaged in politics as I am. And it's like, all right, you called my friends and maybe I don't agree with them and I'm on the fence, but you just called my friends, you know, worthless. That's uh, that's not a good look. And I think that the Democratic Party has really stepped away from that roots of of the poor white communities. And that's why they flocked to Trump. That's why middle class, middle aged white. I mean, women even flocked to Trump, which boggled my mind. But we lost touch. I have two thoughts. One is. Um, what you said, baskets of deplorables, it made me think, I remember going back to you don't insult someone and expect to win them over. It goes back to when uh, Junior called um, North Korea and uh, the excessive evil comment. Mm-hmm. And uh, tough people said, yeah, we're, we're taking it to them. But smart people said, great. Now North Korean state run television just has to run that quote. And every North Korean will go, why does America hate us? Yeah, and instead of trying to win them over, all you do is show and that doesn't work. And the second thought I had was I just, um, oh, I don't know. My problem is I read books and I hear podcasts and I, I digest them and go, oh, that's interesting information. And then I can't recall the source. I just sort of retain. So I can't source this. But um the Democratic Party is more and more these days uh, heavily college educated. And what Republicans did is they tapped into the anger of Trump himself, said, I love stupid people. Um, but with Democrats saying, we know what's best, we'll take care of the economy, you just do your job. Uh-huh. People don't like being talked down to and Republicans tapped into that anger. It, it's a very interesting flip from uh-huh. what you said, the, the, the working class party to the, the elitist party, uh, uh-huh. you know. And, and that's why they lose votes. They don't relate. Sure, they have better economic policies. Sure, they the economy does better when Democrats are in office. People don't like being belittled. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's interesting because, like, my position on these things changes over time. But 
I've I've talked to many, like I'm in one of these coastal liberal, not states, mm-hmm. but areas. I'm in Philly, but yeah, that's not, not on the coast. It's, it's well, <laughs> close enough. Like I mean, I'm from I, public you know, education. Nah, you're funny. No, but it's you get what you pay for, right? <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, you know, growing up in New, in New York, New Jersey, you know what I mean? Spending, like, being born in Philly, growing up in New Jersey, spending lots of my time in New York and then college years in Boston, I get a lot of this stuff. And a lot of my liberal friends have there is a kind of sense a sense of like when people start to talk about how the liberals are really the racists right uh-huh. it's like okay i take that stuff with a grain of salt but there is a bit of truth to it because when i talk to my white liberal friends uh-huh. who are well educated and i'll say something like well you know you guys seem to on the surface give a shit about the poor black kids in harlem Uh Like on the surface, you seem to give a shit about them, but you don't give a shit about the poor white kids in the Appalachian Mountains or something, right? Like you don't give a shit about them. Uh And they'll say they'll say something to the effect of fuck those kids, they should have they should do better. Yeah. And when we start to talk, it's like there's a there's this acknowledgement, this kind of tacit acknowledgement of what uh-huh. they would call white privilege. Like these kids have privilege. They should uh-huh. be able to do this. They should be able to move ahead, so forth and so on. And I'm like, well, what makes you think that if their daddy was poor and their granddaddy was poor and their great granddaddy was poor and their great great granddaddy was poor and maybe they worked on the plantation, but they surely uh-huh. didn't own it, uh-huh. right? <laughs> they yeah. were one step above getting whipped and they yeah. surely couldn't date the boss's daughter either. Uh anymore like yeah they might not have gotten hung if they looked at her but they couldn't date her either so there's a distinction between who gets treated better and worse but i'm not sure that like the conservatives are wrong when they talk about the way that the liberals treat poor white people because there is a kind of disdain for when i hear my liberal friends talk and i'm about as liberal as the day is long most of the days but like I find that the way they talk about the, the way liberal white people talk about poor white people mm-hmm. is the kind of stuff that like when I say to my friends, I don't know, maybe not all white people are bad. And then my <laughs> friends will go, oh, I don't know, man, you don't see the way they talk when they're not when you're not around. And I'm like, oh, it's like that. And they're like, yeah, dude, I've heard. And I, like, Nathan, you've said that like you like you've said things that you've heard when you've heard people say shit that is really fucking racist. Well, and if I could interject quick when you talk, uh, going back to your Appalachia comment and talking white liberals talking, uh, um, you said they do have white privilege, but they don't have teeth. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Or family. Or, like, but I think that there is something to be said for that. And so, and I talked to one of my conservative white friends, mm-hmm. two conservative white friends, and when I would bring up poor white people. My one friend's business owner does well for himself. He said, you give a fuck about those poor bastards? Just like that. And I talked to another one of my friends and he was like, and I said, well, cause he made the argument like when a black person gets shot by the police, the whole community comes out. When a white person gets shot by the police, nobody cares. And I'm yeah. like, what, do you expect black people to care when white people get shot? I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> what, what black people should care. But white people don't seem to care when white people get shot by cops. Like, right. when they're like, well, the right after Tamir Rice, uh, like three months earlier, a little white kid got shot playing with a BB gun. And I'm like, then why wasn't the whole town out right. yelling and screaming and mar- marching in the streets? Like, why don't white people care about white people? Well, and not just that, but uh, two thoughts. One, um, this just happened, or it's it's happening more and more. But the example I have, again, I can't source it, but um, a, a, a crime gets committed and they say, oh, it was a young male wearing a hoodie, and that's it. And yet, if a white cop shoots a black person, it's white cop shoots black person. If, if there's right. a crime committed, you cannot mention race if the person's black. Or uh, here, here's an example. For the last couple of years, uh, we, we were hearing heavily about Asian uh, violence, violence against Asians, and you'd see the violence against Asians, and you'd open the story, and somewhere in the bottom, oh yeah, it was a black male. Like There was a lot of black on Asian crime. The Absolutely. black part did not get reported all that much, but the, the, the hate Asian part did. Uh, 
fuck. What was my other thought? I already forgot it. Um, <laughs> fuck. Do you do you find that white people are more stratified by race? Like, I know that, like, as a group, like, again, my conservative friends will say something like, when I'll bring up white supremacy or something, he'll say, he says, well, what are we supposed to do? The blacks are trying to take over. What are we supposed to do? We're some, we have to get together and band together to protect what's ours. And I'm like, right, but what about like, once you protected what's yours, uh-huh. how the division seems to be largely among class. And there seems to be a lot of disdain between poor whites and rich whites. Like there seems to be no kind of other than the whiteness, uh-huh. there seems to be not much that connects those two. Do you guys agree with this or no? Like, where do you? Yeah. What do you think um, about this? I guess Nathan, did you did your did your thought come back to you? Yeah. It, it, when it comes to protect, I'm not so sure about that. I agree, but I disagree because the thought that popped in my head was this one I can source. It was a 60 minutes uh, expose on social security disability benefits. Mm-hmm. And they went to this part, I'll get wrong, a small town in West Virginia or Kentucky, you know, 99% white and, you know, 70% of the town was on disability because they found a lawyer that just, or a doctor that said, oh yeah, I'll get you on disability. So they were all grifting the government, but these are all the same people then when say, oh, welfare queen, got to vote for Reagan, welfare queen, black people on welfare. And yet they were all taking, and, and you know, the 60 minutes talk to some or like did hidden camera shit and was like, these are able-bodied people up and walking around. It was it was around the the the, the recession of 2008 when they couldn't get rehired, they applied for disability. And then they just sort of kept it going like, hey, I like this not working thing. And so they were absolutely grifting, but it was OK because I'm white and I, I, I earned it. And yet when someone else does it, then no, they're 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 how dare the illegal immigrants, the brown people come across the border and take our services. And I'm not sure how that related, but something you said yeah. sparked that in me. This is a really multifaceted issue. Obviously, anything with with race relations and class relations is going to be. Um, but I like that you brought up Appalachian Americans because I went to college in uh, Bristol, Tennessee, and um, it's it's something that uh, I think a lot of. Wait, I do have to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. I, I, Appalachian Americans. That's a new one. I've never heard. That's a new segment. You know, Asian Americans, Hispanic. We've got Appalachian yeah. Americans. Wow, we are politically correct as a country. <laughs> That's fair. It's it's just it it really is the way that it needs to be addressed, though, because it is uh, they are an ignored um, sector of our country that uh, people don't realize how bad it actually is. There, like. And I think that's what's hard for a lot of white people to understand about other white people. Going back to your original comment um, about them having to stay in for these poor white people is like a lot of it's like a third world country. I mean, some of these people don't have, you know, Internet or indoor plumbing in, in the mountains out there. And it's it's crazy. And it's just hard for anybody who hasn't actually been there to comprehend Right. But that still exists in, you know, the greatest country in the world, so to speak. Um, and so I think it's hard for people to empathize with it because they literally just haven't seen it and don't believe it. And you could even tell them and they wouldn't believe it. Uh, so we also have this, this um, I think, innate nature to want to look down on people. Like, we, we want to be better than the people around us. We want to feel like we're more accomplished than somebody else. It's how, you know, in the Civil War, they convinced a bunch of poor white Appalachian people to go fight to keep slaves, even though they never owned slaves. They were never going to own slaves. They weren't fighting to keep anything for themselves, except for this identity that they were not the lowest on the totem pole. And and yeah, that that happens. I think that's happened throughout history, throughout societies. Everybody wants to not be the bottom. And that's why going back to the the poor people, poor white people who are on disability, even though there's nothing wrong with them making fun of the welfare queens is, is if you can have all the cognitive dissonance in the world, Republicans are, are, I mean, they've turned it into an art form, (laughs) but it's, that's all it takes is they can have that little bit of cognitive dissonance and put it in as they can justify that they've somehow earned it because, you know, they paid in $20 to taxes at one point in their life or their grandpappy did. And, and uh, 
that's it, you know, and, and the welfare queens, they just never wanted to work and they're having a bunch of kids and the anchor babies and whatever other propaganda that they see on Fox News. And they've never personally witnessed any of these, these things, you know, it's just things that they hear about and it makes them feel better. Like they're not the lowest level of society. And that's, that's how I, and the Republican party has weaponized that really well. Um, and that ties into what we had talked about earlier with, with the comments like, Oh, Disney pedos, groomers. It's, the Republican Party is so good at messaging and buzzwords okay. and getting something into the zeitgeist, even if it is an outright lie. I mean, Barrett and I have talked about this, and we don't need to go down this path, but one of the most fascinating things that has happened in very recent history is watching January 6th and with the McCarthy tapes that just came out, okay. watching it happen. Um, now hearing McCarthy's initial reaction and within days, the narrative was already being spun and you have people that just buy into the lie because it's easier to buy into what you want to believe than to do actual research, to go to Appalachia, to see people living in a third world country in our own country. It's, it's easier to believe what you want to believe than to do any form of research, which brings us all the way back to the beginning, which is why I found your video so fascinating because and I asked, do you research these or are you knowledgeable? Because, I mean, as you said, you break it down point by point. You, 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 people can criticize or they can be angry, but whereas I present something flippantly or with a joke or a fuck you, you are straightforward and like, look, bam, 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 bam. If you see it differently, come at me and we'll dialogue. And I've said that too, but it's also with a snark, but. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of snark in my videos too. And, and <laughs> more than my fair share of fuck yous. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not that. I, I think it's um, inherently important, at least to me and the way I present things, uh, because it's the way that that I formed my opinion is we all have an emotional response. When we see something, we have an emotional response to it immediately, uh, um, especially divisive topics. And human nature is to go find your confirmation bias to justify that emotional response. Um, and that's, that's why you get these people who are on welfare talking shit about welfare queens that they've never seen or met in real life. Uh, but I, the way that I've formulated my worldview is every time I do that, I put my emotional response on the back burner and I'm like, I'm going to go figure out and try to understand this and disseminate this as best as I can just factually and then allow my emotion to come back into it to, to understand what it means to me morally and ethically instead of trying to backfill that. And both parties do this. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's not something exclusive to the right i mean they do it a lot more i feel like but it's definitely not exclusive to them well, let's talk about your tiktok videos for half an hour uh, go ahead had to say there, I think. well i i mean i hear what you're saying and i agree i my honest feeling as a self-described liberal lifelong mm -hmm. democrat right mm -hmm. largely for the same reasons that the republicans attack black democrats ultimately were like listen like i'm a democrat because my parents were democrats right. and their parents and you know what mm -hmm. i mean like that's ultimately why is i just grew up in that household yeah. and to me republican was kind of synonymous with racist mm -hmm. right like that's just how i grew up republican was just another word of saying racist right and that's and i don't know that that's true or not true but that's how i grew up right i mean when it's not I, when i look at uh when I look at what's happening with the, the Democrats now, though, they uh -huh. seem to be using all the tools of the Republicans to get ahead. And there's a there's a very I don't know who said it, but it's like you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. Right. Uh -huh. And it seems like the Democrats are just going in on this. Like they're starting to get a unity of message something that the Republicans have seemed to have for years. Like I don't see any unity. I see the Democrats fucking flailing I and mean, being I incompetent. I don't, when I say unity of message, I mean unity of message when they attack. Like if we take something as simple, and I guess this is not necessarily a microcosm 
of the big thing. But when it was like the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, right? Mm -hmm. All I heard about was crossing state lines, crossing state lines, crossing state lines. And I said that to someone once. I was like, yeah, but he like crossed state lines about this. And, and then someone said, well, he's about 20 minutes away. And he worked there. It actually wasn't that big a deal. He did work like, there. That was the bullshit. Right. And I remember <laughs> like, and I remember like having all these arguments about the Rittenhouse thing and okay. having somebody who actually looked into it kind of debunk them within like 30 or 40 seconds. Well, but, like, oh, sorry to interrupt, but is that the Democrats or is that just the media? Because I tend to throw that one on the media being sensationalistic and lazy. Don't the Democrats run the media? I'm kidding. Oh. I don't. <laughs> if they did, Biden's unemployment numbers would be more widely known than they are. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, maybe again, like, I don't know. Like, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I am one of those people who looks at the headlines. Like, all I saw is some white kid went and shot up a bunch of people for something and then when you look at the trial and you hear the stuff i was like when i heard the actual testimony much to my chagrin i was like god it sounds like he wasn't necessarily right but he wasn't necessarily wrong either yeah Does that makes sense do you know I mean like once i heard the full story it wasn't just like some crazed kid with an ar-15 running around shooting people no you know, it was a white Premises with an AR-15 running around shooting people. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, what's your take on that? On uh, not that story per se, but like, mm -hmm. what is your take on that? That kind um, of thing. I I think that you hit on, and this is going to be a video that I've I've been in the process of making for a while, which is on on gun control and and gun culture, and it probably won't go the way that you think it's going to. But um, I think that that is one thing that moderate liberal politicians tend to center around and have a unity of messaging on and it's the wrong thing to center around and have a unity of messaging on but beyond that uh i i really don't see it i mean you have a ton of infighting almost as bad as between you know the moderate conservatives in the republican party and the trump republicans or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. those things um you have that ton of infighting within their party. You have the same thing uh, within the progressive party. You have the progressives holding up moderate uh, policy because they're not getting the things that they want, and the moderates trying to punish the progressives in their within the party within Congress for that. And there's really no unity on which way the party wants to go as as a party, um, which mm -hmm. goes back to our primary issues that I talked about in my last video. I, I think that they're really struggling. And what's worse is they struggle to deliver on anything at all, ever, when they get into office. You know, uh, um, it was one of my biggest frustrations with Obama. Uh, you know, I was very enthusiastically an Obama supporter in both elections, but he he followed through on very little. And I understand that, you know, he had the geriatric mutant obstruction turtle in his way the entire time. <laughs> but uh, he... Um, you know, not overturning Citizens United was, I think, my biggest frustration with him yeah. because he had the opportunity to do it and he found out how well it came to to fundraising. And suddenly this wasn't, you know, uh, a party platform partisan issue that he was going to do because he raised more money than anybody using the, the thing that he rallied against um, getting rid of. And I think that that kind of messaging and that lack of direction or follow through um is is difficult you know the republicans don't do much either but they they keep a solid straight line message well they, they do it's just that they do it i don't want to in personal opinion they do it in the wrong places like mm -hmm. all right uh, he didn't build a wall but he sure you know fucked with the border he um mm -hmm. he didn't uh, improve the economy but he sure you know tried to restrict voting right you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah so they they do things it's just not beneficial to all Right. Well, and I mean, looking at our judiciary now, they've been incredibly effective at strong arming their way through that, through all the ranks from SCOTUS on down. So, I mean, yeah, they, they can be effective where they want to be effective, but they can also be incredibly ineffective because they had every branch of government uh, for two years and accomplished next to nothing, which well, thank Same thank here God, thank for God. the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and But that's been the MO for Democrats for you know, I mean, I think Clinton was an effective president. He wasn't very liberal, but he was effective. But I think that that's really the last effective Democratic yeah. president that we had. And, and I, I should give credit. I mean, 
the Affordable Care Act was a huge accomplishment considering the conditions it was working under. It definitely wasn't what any of us wanted in the end, but um, it's better than what we had. Uh, and isn't it baby steps towards something better? I mean, it, it, a complete overhaul would have, I don't want to say a shock to the system, but people, people don't like change. People, people uh, like, uh, for, for <laughs> they like the Titanic. It's, it's big, it's smooth. Mm -hmm. You just got to wait for that iceberg to get hit uh, in order for change. But they, they, people like incremental change. They don't want big change. So Affordable Air Care Act, a baby step. Um, let's put on our, um, Let's put on our, uh, our our future goggles. Uh, let's look at the 2024. I saw a tweet from Andrew Yang the other day who said, um, if it shapes up to be Biden versus Trump, this number of people say they will take a serious interest in a third party. <laughs> people always say that, but it rarely happens. Any thoughts? I Both of you? Oh, I have thoughts, but you got anything, Barrett? No, you first. <laughs> I just feel like we keep cutting you off. I keep seeing your, your face light up and yeah, then going back and <laughs> So I want to make sure I know that uh, it seems like both of us yeah. can get on, on rants and just sort of talk over the entire yeah. conversation. Um, but uh, no, third parties are, are useless. Um, without ranked choice voting, they are never going to be competitive without the resources of a establishment party. And even with ranked choice voting, it's it's going to be an extreme uphill battle without those resources. But until we make that minimum step, it's, uh, it's, I, I, they do nothing productive, um, trying to run outside of the party construct. What do you think will happen if Biden? Wait, now you're just throwing another question out. This is your chance to shine and talk and give thoughts and opinions. And you're going to turn it around and toss out a question. I don't, I don't really have, I, I agree. Like, I mean, I think that it's interesting because I think that Trump threatened the Republican Party with the idea of him running as an independent and siphoning so many of their votes that there's no way they could win. I feel like the threat of a third party could be a solid threat if used effectively. It seems like Trump seemed to use it, right? Bernie theoretically could have used it theoretically right like i right. think bernie was strong enough to have siphoned away enough votes to, to make himself a threat <laughs> right he would have still right but he but like he could have pulled a trump and said well if you don't do this i'm gonna take all these people away from you and they might have gone for it. i mean i don't know if they would have or wouldn't oh have, but, yeah i see what you know you're saying Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, in that way, I think it's hold a it hostage, right? Right, like because that's all Trump did is just hold. Held, he seemed to just hold them hostage. You know what yeah. I mean? But it seems like the Democratic Party seems to be much more interested in holding us hostage, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah, saying, "Fuck you! We know you don't want Trump, so you'll vote for whatever bag of shit we put up here." Do you know okay. what I mean? That's what they yeah. seem. They seem to be holding that's, us hostage, not other people. You know. That's been their party platform though for decades at this point i mean i mean you think you think about the dumpster fires that bookended obama's presidency mm -hmm. and and that's that's how they ran out we i until trump we could not have had a worse president than w you know mm -hmm. and and democrats ran on that like hey, this is, this is how bad it can be, vote for us. And they did put, I mean, I'm not saying Obama was a good candidate and uh, he ran a very progressive platform, which again, should have spoke volumes to, to the DNC in the way that they should be moving their candidates. But, uh, but then they went through that. Um, he didn't deliver. Uh, approval ratings were tanking towards the end there. And then they lost to Trump throwing in, you know, a, an establishment candidate that nobody wanted and then waited for everything to get burned down and ran again on, look, this is how low the bar is. We cannot be lower than that. So just vote our way. And we don't have any other option. We are literally held hostage because Republicans keep the bar so low and Democrats have no incentive to do better. Mm -hmm. There was a, I, I, I don't. Anybody can Google it. Both of you. I read a fascinating book. Um, uh, it was. It, it talked about Kennedy running, trying to primary against Carter in 1980, and how that really helped Carter lose. I mean, Reagan 
was not i mean you you look at the the results and you're like oh reagan just kicked his ass well it was also because kennedy um figured it, it pulled a hillary clinton in a way said mm -hmm. it's my turn i've been around long enough god damn it give it to me mm -hmm. i know you won in 76 but it's my turn and he fractured the democratic party and reagan slipped in and yeah. you see and it's funny how history repeats itself and nobody learns because that mm -hmm. was Hillary's stance. It's my turn, God damn it. I should have had it in 2008. I'm the wife of the ex-president. My mm -hmm. turn, my turn, my turn. And people went, fuck you, you don't deserve this. Uh -huh. And Bernie tried to you know, overcome that and say, people want something different. The, the, the system, the me mechanisms squashed him and Hillary lost because people weren't buying it. And, yeah. and as you just said, the, the, the biggest problem and that problem. The, the, the thing I find most amusing on any comments was when people come at me, with, oh, you must love Biden. Like nobody loves Biden. No, no Biden <laughs> didn't see. And th th this is not an original thought. Uh -huh. Many people before me have said this. You've never seen people marching with Biden flags or no boat parades for Biden or it was just like because we're not in a cult. <laughs> yeah, it's just resignation is why we voted. <laughs> It's also weird to be obsessed with a political figure. Like it's just yes. genuinely weird. Like I'm not that obsessed with with anybody. Like my favorite musician or favorite actor or anything. Absolutely no way it comes to anywhere close that level of just weird cultish obsession. And like, and it's definitely not going to be for a political figure I hire to do a job. You know, like yeah. they're, they're an employee. But I mean, like this country is kind of founded by self-fictionalizing extremists right mm -hmm. and like we've spent a few hundred years living in a, a self-fictionalizing way as a nation yeah. right and you mix that with hollywood and things like that i don't think as a nation we are actually trained or educated in the way of how to be critical thinkers about what's in front of us we're kind of like again i'm not a fisher i don't fish but i have oh. friends who do we seem like just bass who just chase shiny objects right? <laughs> like that's what we well. do with something shiny in front of us like oh and then we get hook and mouth and then there it is and we seem uh -huh. to be happy like we swallow a hook line and sinker and are happy and feel like we just had a good meal when in reality, we've been just led around by the nose by these people who are just using, it's like, I don't know that it's drastically different than some girl with a big ass with a billion followers on Instagram, yeah. like, and, and, a, and a real source, and not to say that a big ass isn't a talent, right? <laughs> whatever, right? But you know what I mean? Like, like when you have, when you can have an economy based on people who can shake their ass and have millions of followers and become influencers and turn that into a legitimate career and make real money. It, okay. That seems like a, a, a microcosm of what politics is. It doesn't seem to be about who presents best or it's about who presents best rather than who is best, right? Okay. And I'm not saying that, again, like I have real problems with Hillary and things like that, but okay. I would have preferred her to Trump, I think. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, but we like shiny pretend millionaires right like when you look at you know like i find this out in music all the time we we get on a gig with some band and we open up for them and i think this band is raking in the loot and, uh -huh. and they're doing all this stuff because instagram and facebook tells me that and these uh -huh. big gigs are doing and i meet them and i'm like oh you guys aren't really doing as well as i thought like yeah. you, like it's all smoke and mirrors and uh -huh. it seems like we've built a whole culture on this kind of self-fictionalizing idea. And as long as we don't call each other out on our bullshit, everybody can get away with pretending that it's not all smoke and mirrors. And politics seems to be no different, but it seemed to not be like that up until like the nineties, I'll say. Oh, I, 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 I don't will, know if that's true though, but. I agree with you a hundred percent, but then I will pivot back to Reagan. Okay. Um, so he 80s. was a star, right. you know. Right. Ironically, right. party right. always yes. says that the celebrities need to stay out of politics are the ones <laughs> who keep electing celebrities. But, um, <laughs> but it's, 
Well, there's, there's a great documentary, Barrett, you can watch that talks about how far back corruption goes. It's uh, it's called Used Cars, and uh, it's it's got a character named Kurt Russell in it, and uh, he runs for office. Oh, yeah, knucklehead. Oh, it's so good. Um, it, I'll just say this quick, and then I'll let Jordan speak. Um, if you want to feel bad about shiny objects and who's doing well, uh, two days ago, the headline was, and I, I clicked the headline, and I read the the cash me outside girl is worth $50 million. Yeah. So well, is that really true? That's really true. She, right. she like, has been on OnlyFans raking it in for years. And yeah, the, the Dr. Phil cash me outside girl, $50 million. Is that just, is that American entrepreneurial spirit? Fuck no. It's Americans being stupid and giving her money. I mean, she's an entrepreneur. She set up an OnlyFans page and <laughs> dumb people said, yes, I want to support that. But isn't that her? But the, again, we get down to this. The, isn't that her right? Sure. I mean, I'm not angry at her for being worth 50 million. Like, I'm angry at society for giving me like we have. Yeah. A, but this is what this the country's kind of built on hucksters and suckers. Like the first people who came here, like like the people who seem to come here by choice were either the hucksters or the suckers who believed that the streets were lined with gold. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it religious assholes that everyone was sick of in England that said, look, we want to be so Puritan that we got to... Well, this gets us into a different argument. Did the country (laughs) start in the 1600s or did it start in the 1700s or 1800s? Like, where do do we consider the pilgrims the first people? Or the Puritans, the first people, yeah. or Jamestown, or, 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 or. going. Yeah, down. and we're already bumping up against our hour, so let's not go down that path. <laughs> Where do you consider the start? Right. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the people who do best in this country are the P.T. Barnums, right? Yeah. Like anybody who's got a streak of P.T. Barnumism has a real good shot of winning. If this is a game, they have a real serious shot of winning. And people who don't have that, have a real serious shot of getting suckered, right? Yep. Like if you're looking around to see who the mark is, it's you. If you uh-huh. can't tell who it is, it's you, yep. right? You know, anyway, I'll stop talking because I'll, no. I'll, 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 I'll take us on a tangent train. So <laughs> it's a great point. And Which would talking. normally be fine, except as I said, we're bumping up against an hour. So yeah, otherwise, good. That's why I said, nope, we're not going down American history. <laughs> oh, yeah, so what were you going to say? <laughs> It's an excellent point. And it's, I mean, our, our country is built around celebrity worship and around, you know, shiny objects. You're, you're spot on with that. I mean, ask any American what they know about our own history or world events or anything. And if they can tell you anything, it ain't going to be very in depth. Um, <laughs> we're, we're focused on, we're focused on what's right in front of us and what feels good. What's the cheesecake of society. And that's all we eat. Yeah. Well, and it is interesting that we are focused on celebrity because celebrity is now changing. Um, there's a YouTube uh, YouTuber that I follow. I think it's the only YouTuber I follow. He's, he's called The Critical Drinker, and he, he does movie reviews, but he also incorporates societal reviews. And he did one on the death of the celebrity recently, which I found fascinating, talking about how social media exposed celebrities. Okay. Um we used to, you know, build them up like, wow, they're so glamorous. And now that they have Twitter and TikTok and we can, they, they speak and they tweet and we're like, wow, they're really fucking annoying and stupid. Okay. Um, the celebrities are now us. It's not, you know, but it's, it's the cash me outside girl. It's the everyday. It's the TikToker okay. that can shake her fat ass. It's, it's yeah. Celebrity worship is changing from the, the elevated to the, the common person. And Trump I mean, tapped into that. But, but let's just take what you two do and arguably what I should be doing um, on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I followed you today when you watched the TikTok I sent you. It said, King, and like, oh, follow. And <laughs> so I'm your second follower and you've posted yeah. nothing. You don't even have a profile picture, <laughs> but yeah. But, you know, but like, but like, isn't like I was thinking about this the other day because I, I did a gig and I was thinking to myself, the fuck are we doing like there's so many bands out there all of them are doing their thing and everybody's got a shtick and it's like fuck me man like there's a thousand people who do what we do but then i realized i was i was snatching tour dates like venues off this guy's website and i was like i went to his thing he plays all the same kind of rooms we do and stuff and i went to his thing and he's got like fifty thousand followers 
And I was like, right, like, but that's a living. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he gets 50,000 people to spend $100 a year on him between merchandise, between merchandise and ticket sales, uh-huh. that's a lot, that's a real income. Like, he's making yeah. real money. Like, because uh-huh. you don't actually need, like, I feel like Tom Cruise needs the world to love him in order to make the money he makes, right? Uh-huh. But, like, but not now. Right, like you guys could completely monetize what you once you get up to a certain number of followers, you can monetize it and you can make a living off ten thousand people, like ten thousand like-minded people. I don't know about that because I'm at twenty-five and you know you post something it's like ooh twenty views. I'm like, I mean, like, but let's call it like true fans, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you 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 need a hundred thousand people to have five thousand of of them really interested you because most are you know just like oh that's interesting like oh i'll follow but then they're gone you know but i mean but right but if you can get to let's say ten thousand legitimate people who actually would come see you perform and buy Mm -hmm. your merchandise and support you you can make a real living and so you don't actually have to be a celebrity anymore you don't need the whole pie you can just be famous in your little world and the internet has seemed to create a place that doesn't have to be the world it can just be your it's, it can, you can create a ten thousand person echo chamber you know oh, yeah. and make a living doing what it is that you do and isn't no, that's that the hope of, but isn't that right like so at the same time we're rallying against what it is that people are doing we're also using again we're utilizing the same techniques that, that everybody else is utilizing to get our little piece of the pie and are we that different in that way other than we believe that what we do is right and just and moral and sound are we well, vastly different from them I mean, let me uh answer that question by tossing it to jordan by asking what not not what is your end game but what what took you to TikTok to get your point across because obviously i'm a comedian and so i try and do things to as barrett said oh that was funny oh that was amusing oh he's gonna be you know in my town fuck it i'll go see him like i'm not delusional and saying wow i can't wait to be tiktok famous and all my hope is literally that enough people go oh he's gonna be 10 minutes away yeah i'll go spend 10 bucks on him like that's my end game ramp to your website or your yeah calendar is the hope is that there's a minor interest in what i do because of something i said what what is your what just to get information out there or you wanted to go ahead it was a complete accident. Um, I, I despised the idea of TikTok. Like I'm, I'm really a grumpy old man at heart. Uh, I was like, I, I was, I've always been begrudgingly dragged into the next form of social media. You know, I was like the last person on MySpace, just sitting there by myself. Go ahead. I didn't join TikTok until December. Like I'm only a few months deep because I kept like, oh, oh it's for the kids. Fuck this. I just. I, I, I got angry jumping from MySpace to Facebook and I would watch Vine come and go, Periscope come and go. I watched all the, and I'm like, okay, TikTok's going to come and go, Snapchat, fuck that. I don't need it. And after waiting and waiting and TikTok not going away, I finally joined. I'm like, I actually kind of like this. Fuck, I should have done this sooner. Or maybe, I, and, and Barrett had been harping on me for over a year. You need to get on TikTok. You need to get on. And I'm like, ah. So yeah, I exactly. I am right with you. I I've only been on less than six months. Yeah, I'm. I don't think I've been on that long either. Uh, I I mean, my first big video was March, so you know, I'm two months into actually like doing this as a consistent thing. But uh, no, I at first I thought it was you know a bunch of Gen Zers lip syncing and doing stupid dances they ripped off the minority kids. And uh, <laughs> there's and a so, documentary on that. It's it's called uh, Bring It On. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, and so I just, I wasn't engaged. And then, you know, I started getting the people that were like sharing it, like through Facebook Messenger, texting me like, oh, this video is funny. And I was just watching it through a browser. And then my girlfriend kind of got into it and she was, uh, she was showing me all these funny videos, you know, like everyone, every couple of days, she'd be like, I got to show you all these ones that I favorited and we'd go through and I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of funny. And she kept trying to get me to download the app so I could like favorite my own videos and all that and finally i did i'm like you know i've got all these stupid like animal videos and dumb shit on my phone that are taking up space i don't really need on here and i never show them to anybody it seems like a good spot to just put them where if anybody wants to look at them they can i can look at them when i want i can get them off my phone 
And so that's what I started doing. And then I was sitting at the bar one day and that realization hit me that, you know, kids who were born or kids who weren't alive for 9-11 are, are going to be able to drink legally in a bar with me. And I just turned into Gandalf instantly in that moment. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, I wonder, you know, I felt like that was like something that I just needed to get off my chest. And so I made like the first video of like me talking, I'm like, I'm not going to do politics uh, or anything like that. I didn't expect that video to do anything and it exploded. And, um, and then the, the boomer, response video of the person saying kids today don't want to work and that just irked me in the wrong way that's all it takes to like sucker me into doing something I said I wasn't going to do and so I I jumped (laughs) down down her throat and then that video blew up and I've just kind of rolled with it since and I had no specific goal or end game I was like cool I want to get to 10,000 then I can monetize and get my 50 cents a day from TikTok or whatever it is and I still keep forgetting have you have you monetized it I did. It's it's barely worth it. But yeah, yeah, I haven't. I because I look at my hits. I'm like, yeah, I have all these followers. But I read an article that said uh, you get like point fraction of a cent for every thousand views, and so you really have to get big numbers in order for it to pay anything. Yeah. I, I think I'm averaging about a dollar a day right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a tank of gas a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> at this rate, every four years. <laughs> Um, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you think that you would ever run for politics or run for office or seek to really like get in the trenches and see if you could make change? I don't know. I, I, I feel, and this is, you know, I, I guess the uh, when I bitch about Gen X and then I go say that I'm I'm very apathetic towards the idea of political change being able to happen, especially on a, a local level. And I know that's the wrong attitude to have. Uh, it's just, I, I did some um, very local, like when I was in Florida, uh, when I was a little kid, um, just being involved, going to town meetings and stating my opinion on, you know, like we've got too many cats in the neighborhood type of shit. And uh, um, it, it just, it felt frustrating that nothing ever really seemed to move the needle for the amount of effort and time that the people that I saw were involved were putting in. And, um, I, I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. I just haven't seen the opportunity where I've been moved to do it. Well, let me not, uh, shit on any hopes and dreams (laughs) that you don't apparently have, but, uh, to close this out, um, I had mentioned my friend Dave here in Iowa, he uh-huh. did run for office as a Democrat in a red county, and uh-huh. his experience was he would go door to door and talk to people, and they would say, my God, you are so good. You are so articulate, I, uh-huh. and, and you're a farmer and a truck driver, and I really relate to you. Wow, why can't there be more politicians than you? I, I think I'll vote for you. Oh, wait, you're a Democrat? No, fuck that. Like, yep. the instant the D came out, they loved him up until they saw the D, and uh-huh. that was just enough of a turnoff, and I, I they... I said, just fucking run as an independent, even if you don't. In a small county, I think. Oh yeah, small county. I think you could do an an independent run and beat both parties, but on well, a national level, no. So, this all right. Quickly back to our our three party system, right? Like, because I'll say that I I can't speak for for black people now, mm-hmm. but black. Yes, you can. You're black. You're a monolith. Barrett speaks yeah. for all black people. We've determined yeah. that. Uh, but you know, like I would have never voted for a, for a Republican ever in my life. But I would consider it if they had policies that I thought were interesting. Do you think that on a smaller level, third party and independent politics could actually make a difference? And then taking that, like you know, real change takes time. Uh-huh. Do you think that we could start on a local level with independents? And then over the course of a decade, maybe not us, maybe not even our children, but maybe our children's children would be able to have a different kind of system of politics if we just took a 20-year view of things instead of a 20-second view of things. Uh, sure. I, I think that that is possible. I mean, and you look at like Bernie Sanders is an independent on the federal, um, you know, he's in the mm-hmm. Senate. Uh, it can be done. Um, it just it's very hard to do. And I think the problem with that uh, 
20, 30 year view is that needed to happen 40, 50 years ago. We are, we yeah. are past the point of, of certain things. I mean, it's, it's a do or die moment on things like climate change. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a do or die moment on things like political reform, because yeah, it, can you imagine if Trump had more than a double digit IQ and just a <laughs> monarchism of, of charisma, you know, he laid the blueprint out and the next Trump will not be mentally challenged. Like DeSantis. Yeah. Right. And that, that's, that's the issue is, is the next one, you know, they, they have everything, all the pieces are there to put together, you know, make January 6th successful next time. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're past that point where you know incremental change is is going to do anything we're either going to die in forest fires and flooding or we're going to to be you know north korea that's we need we need big change in my opinion and and maybe i'm i'm being dramatic i don't know well they say the the two things uh, the the on that happy note uh, as we close it they say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago the second best is today so mm -hmm. Um, I will put a, a graphic on the screen off Joe Wagon. Is that correct? Is, is the yes. Twitter handle? Um, uh, do you, spell it out. So, so that for people that are listening, this comes out both video and audio. So for people watching, yes. they'll be able to see off Joe Wagon. But is there a, there a hyphen or an underscore? Yeah, it's O-F-F underscore J-A-W-A-G-G-O-N. There you go. Um, Barrett can be found at antargoodwin.com. He is the musical director for the Katie Henry Band, which can be found at katiehenrymusic.com. This summer, they will be touring behind her latest release, um, On My Way, which made it into the top 10 of the Billboard charts. Yay! Unfortunately, because uh, they don't plan things well, they will be in Wisconsin two hours away from me on a day when I have a fucking wedding that I've already committed to. So coming all the way from Philadelphia, two hours from my house in yes. Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, and I won't be able to go. I can be found at nathantimmel.com. You can find links. I, I, I put, I'm, I'm, I'm in the 22nd century. Is it 21st, 22nd? Wherever we are <laughs> on my website, I added a menu item that says Linktree. So the Linktree that all the kids are into will take you to my TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and all the goddamn places I have to be because I'm desperate for attention. <laughs> all right. It also take you to the uh, audio version of my book. We are 100 and you can buy the paperback and uh, the, the hardcover and the Kindle on Amazon. People like it. It's a good book. It's it's a year old. My baby's a year old. I need to I need to write another book. I need to do something. Ooh, I got to stop fine. selling the old shit. All right. Jordan, Bro. thanks for joining us today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. And this is my first podcast. You uh, you popped my cherry here. Yay. <laughs> and we didn't even get to think, talk about things. You'll have to come back because there were so many more things I wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very quickly, your uniform. Did you just fall into that because it's your work clothes? Or did you suddenly realize, you know what? If I maintain a consistent look, people will grow comfortable with that. Or is it just because that's what you wear to work? Uh, the first video is what I was wearing. And then uh, a couple people commented on it and seemed to like resonate with them. So I'm like, well, I might as well keep it consistent. So yeah, now I, now I wear it, you know, I wore it all the time anyway, but now I make a point to wear it. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah.